the remix. The legal lens is back at it again with Angela Red Eye Wright. Go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID 19, voting rights. The insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk. You know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the Legal Lynn Show. Come on. Hello, hello, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the Legal Lynn Show with Angela Redock Wright, where we bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we are so glad that you have joined us on this weekend day. We know that there's so much you could be doing with your time. So the fact that you would pause one hour in your day to listen to our show. We are so pleased and we are so thrilled. Thank you, J-Star, for our Legal Lens jingle. We love that jingle. It gets us going each week. You can follow J-Star and learn more about what she's doing in the music industry at J-Star Music on Instagram. That's J-Star Music with the double R on Instagram. Um, You can also follow The Legal Lens Show. You can follow me and the work that I do in the legal community and beyond on Instagram and Facebook at I am Angela Redock Wright. Um, at I am Angela Redock Wright. You can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Angela Redock Wright. And you can follow KBLA Talk 1580 on all socials and in fact you can go to our website and download our our website or to your app store and download our app and listen to us anywhere on the go at any time any place and listen to all of the great shows and programming that we have throughout the week I am so, so excited about our show today. We have a special guest. Um, I have dubbed her America's favorite TV judge, judge, and that is none other than Judge Maybelline Ephraim. We first came to know her, believe it or not, um, about 25 years ago when she had her first judge TV, our first judge show called um, Divorce Court. And um, that show was reinvigorated and brought back to life um, now through her show called Justice with Judge Maybelline. Um, We've been trying to get her on the show for almost a year now, and I'm glad we've finally been able to to get her scheduled. She's going to, we're going to do what we call Go Behind the Lens with Judge Ephraim, or Judge Maybelline, and to um, learn a little bit more about her above and beyond what we see on TV. Learn about her upbringing as the ninth of 10 children, what inspired her to become a lawyer, um, the life lessons that she'd like to share with us through her two books about what she's learned in life, what's inspired her, what keeps her motivated, and what are some of the pitfalls that we should look look out for in living and especially in our romantic um, and spousal and significant other relationships. Um, she's going to talk about her faith in God and how that inspires and motivates all that she does and some of her char- charitable activities through her charitable charitable foundation. And um, for those of you who don't know, Judge Maybelline is a graduate of Thomas Jefferson High School of Los Angeles. Um, Go Democrats. Um, I know the Democrats, um, they have a big alumni group and following. And so she's also going to give a shout out to her fellow Dems. And if there are any fellow Dems who are listening to the show, definitely spread the word and let them know that 
one of the Democrats' favorite graduates and most well-known graduates, Judge Maybelline, is on the show today. So you don't want to turn the dial. You definitely want to listen to the show. And if you are a fan of Judge Maybelline, this will be a great time to learn a little bit more about her, um, about some things that maybe you didn't actually know about her and were not aware of related to her. She's a great energetic guest, and I am so excited to have her. Before we bring Judge Maybelline in, let me just share a few highlights from legal news this week. This is something I'm hoping to bring to you each week going forward, just to highlight some of the top things we're hearing about in the news. So I have a few things for you. Um, we've seen all over the news this week, um, President Biden um, is under scrutiny for um, top secret confidential documents that were found in two locations at his office and at his home. And um, the state, uh, the federal attorney general, um, the U.S. attorney general has assigned um, a special prosecutor or a special investigator to look into that. So certainly we'll be following that story as it unfolds and also kind of comparing what happens here compared to uh, what happened with um uh, former President Trump um, in the finding of the voluminous documents at his home at Mar-a-Lago. So we definitely will be following that story and look to see how it unfolds. We're also following all things Elon Musk. Um, he manages to be in the news quite a bit. We know Elon Musk, billionaire owner of Tesla and Twitter and some other companies. Um, well, this week he will be testifying as to whether he misled investors in taking Tesla private in 2018. We are also following the story with the United States Supreme Court, and this is the season in which the United States Supreme Court is reviewing cases, deciding which cases to take on, which it will you know, um, issue opinions on. And this week, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear a case brought by um, or proposed by firearms dealers in New York who are who opposed the law that New York, the state of New York, passed um, in 2022, limiting the carrying of concealed weapons outside the home. So the United States Supreme Court declined to hear that case brought by New York firearms dealers. Um, also, we're following the story of Robinhood, who has dubbed as the securities investment firm to sort of dubbed itself as the security and investment firm for the people. Well, they are under scrutiny and a class action lawsuit has been brought by um, investors within Robinhood. Um, stating that Robinhood was not transparent in terms of its fee structure and whether it charged um, commission on trades. It advertises that it does not charge commissions on trades, but this lawsuit says that that's not true and they are challenging that and seeking um, recovery from Robinhood from apparently, you know, hidden fees, so to speak. And of course, um, watching the story with Robinhood, um, we'll be watching all year the story with um, Sam Bankman, who is, um, you know, led the company FTX, which was a large cryptocurrency company, which many celebrities and top business leaders invested in. And of course, he is being prosecuted criminally for um, mishandling of funds and investments and other charges. So we'll be following that story throughout the year. 
And finally, um, in the news this week, the legal news this week, we saw that the state of Virginia, West Virginia won a lawsuit against Walgreens related to the opioid crisis, the opioid crisis in West Virginia, um, and that a court awarded the state of West Virginia and the individuals within the class of impacted individuals um, $83 million to settle the opioid lawsuit brought by the state of West Virginia. So I anticipate with this um, large settlement with the state of West Virginia that we'll see many other states and individuals and classes um, bringing lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies related to the opioid crises. So those are just a few things we're following in the news this week and we'll continue to bring um, in the weeks to come other high level legal issues that um, impact us all and that we all certainly want to be aware of. Um, again, we have Judge Maybelline Ephraim, America's judge, favorite judge on the show today. We're excited. So you don't want to turn the dial. You want to listen in, tune in, um, because we have a great show planned for you. And in fact, go tell a family member, go tell a neighbor, tell them to download the KBLA Talk 1580 app, tell Alexa to play 1580. And of course, if you are in your car listening to the radio or have a radio near you and you're in Los Angeles, you can listen to us on your AM dial. So you're tuned into KBLA. KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela. Don't turn that dial. We have a great show planned for you. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela Redock Wright. And you all, I am so excited about today's show. Um, as I said in the introduction, we have none other with us today than Judge Maybelline Ephraim. And we all know her as, I call her America's favorite judge. She's been um, on TV for the last 25 years. We first came to know her um, in her role as the divorce court judge. And uh, most recently, um, her reinvention in TV judgeship it has been with her new show, Justice with Judge Maybelline. She's also an author of two books, Look Deep Before you leap and life lessons 50 life lessons 52 tools for weekly living and she's done so much more than what we see on tv and the name of our show is legal lens and our goal today with judge maybelline is to go behind the scenes go behind the lens of who she is what makes her who she is and what makes her our favorite judge and one of our favorite personalities on TV. Please join me with the virtual welcome of Judge Maybelline Ephraim. How are you today, Judge? I'm well, thank you so much. I didn't realize I was one of America's favorite judges. I try to be. <laughs> yes, you are. And I have named you that. And so that, <laughs> you know, for what it's worth, I'm hoping it'll go a long ways. But I just know, um, you know, when I started to spread the word that you would be on the show. And for honestly, we've been trying to get you on our show for the last year, you know. So, I don't know what happened. I'm right here in Los Angeles, but I'm finally glad we connected and we're able right, to. Right, right. So as we spread the up on me. Yes, yes. And as we spread the word, people were so excited because people love you. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. 
Um, you have an amazing life story, which I know um, our listening audience would be interested in learning a little bit more about. Um, one of the things I learned is that you are from a family of where you had 10 siblings. You were the ninth of 10 siblings That's and your right. family's originally from Mississippi and moved to California when you were at a young age. Tell us, what was it like to grow up as the as the ninth of 10 siblings? Well, oh, it was ex absolutely a wonderful experience growing up as nine of 10. Mine was even better because I am, in between me were five brothers that my sis two sisters who are above me hated. And my eldest sister said she was so elated when my mom had a girl during this pregnancy. And she had said if mom had another boy, she was going to run away from home. Oh, my so goodness. I, so I was... Um, they were pleased to have a baby sister. My brothers were pleased to have a baby sister. My sisters were pleased to have a baby sister. So I was a little spoiled brat um, in the sense that I got lots of love and they really did what they could to get me what I wanted as well as what I needed. Number nine of 10, we came out of Mississippi. My mother was a licensed vocational nurse and my father was a butcher. Wow. My father got sick and had a stroke when I was in the seventh grade. So wow. my mom was left to raise us by herself. And of course, with the help of my elder sisters and brothers, and they were the ones who helped to provide for me. And they were the ones who pushed me to go to college. They told me that my job was to get good grades, go to school to get good grades. And if I did that, that they would do nice things for me, which they did. I got a brand new car, my, my graduation year in 1967 wow. from Thomas Jefferson High School. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jess, you have to get a shout out. I know that Jefferson alumni, they're like big on Jefferson High, right? That's <laughs> right. We Democrats love each other and we, <laughs> we are proud Democrats. Even to this day, I go over to the school. I have a mentorship program at my alma mater. And I'm saying, I think I was the only one in that year that got a brand new car, drove it onto the campus at graduation. So oh, wow. that's what I am. I was always pushed. I was always supported in my endeavors, whatever I wanted to do. Uh, my sisters, basically my sisters and brothers, they put their money out there to help me do it because my mom was just a licensed vocational nurse. So and our family, we had lots of fun. We went places. We were in the church here at Emmanuel Church of God in Christ in Los Angeles. Our church took us on field trips regularly. We had youth conferences every year up and down the coast of Southern California. Right. We had our national convention that I went to. So I got to travel and see things like that. I was a good student in Sunday school at church. So I went and selected to go to the camping trips and all those kinds of things like that. So it was wonderful growing up as a child. I didn't like television. Okay. So people from fighting over television. It was seven children at home. <laughs> said, okay, each of you have a night to call it. Well, it was six. Each of you have a night to call what shows you're going to watch. I sold my show. I sold my night. I was like, oh, really? Anybody want to pay for? me to call it? Because <laughs> I could care less about any television show. Um, I preferred reading. Um, I've always been a good reader. I've always enjoyed reading more than playing outside. Never liked playing with dolls, though. I was always pretending to be a uh, an important person, a business person. I always had a little briefcase. I like that. Oh, I love so, it. It was wonderful growing up. I loved it. Wow. It sounds like an amazing childhood and a family that very really supported strict, each very other. Very strict, very religious, you mm -hmm. know. 
rules, regulations, had time to do everything. My dad's rule, there's a time and place for all things. Everything has a place. Put it back in its place. You pick something up, you had to put it up. We had to clean the kitchen every night. We had to mop. We had to do all we it, we had strict rules and but right. it was still fun. When your parents had you, were they thinking you would be the last or did they anticipate another behind you? I, according to my mother, mm-hmm. she never wanted any, really wanted Oh, wanted really? Food, so I don't think she was anticipating either way, uh, either way. My mother grew up, of course, as a very religious person and they were born in 1911. So birth control was not something that people talked about, particularly Black people. I know there were others who had birth control methods, but that was not a method that they used. And my mother was, they were religious, so she wasn't talking about an abortion. And my mother said, bless her heart, she's dead now. She said, she has sex for my daddy's sake. So I don't think she thought one way or the other. (laughs) Right, right. Her life, she was a married woman. She pleased her husband in all ways. And there came another baby. (laughs) <laughs> wow. So Judge uh, Maybelline, you've referenced your faith and growing up in church and a religious family. Do you still continue with your, your faith beliefs? Um, I sure do. I, um, I sure do. I'm a member of the West Angeles Church of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a member of the Church of God in Christ. That's the church I grew up in. I'm very active in my church. I serve on the West Angeles Community Development Corporation Board. I serve on the Retirement Center Board. I've always been active in the church. i Uh, I left for a while. I left the church in college. I took another path. I got involved in the Black movement, the Black student movement. I decided that church was not what I needed, that it was just for uh, Black people, that it was white people's way of keeping us down and keeping Mm -hmm. us poor and keeping us segregated and all that other stuff. So I denounced the church. I got off in the Black movement. And then after I had my children, uh, my, my baby, my mother was taking my child to Sunday school because she's like, you taking that baby to church. And I was like, I'm not taking you. So my mother started <laughs> taking her. And then I realized that is not my mother's responsibility. That is my responsibility to take my child to church, to be there for her, to teach her that. So then I got back in the church and started working in it again. And now not only am I just going, I, I really embrace the faith completely and totally. I live my life by that. I live my life by the Bible. I try to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. I pray daily. I, that's how I get my day started. I really believe that by faith, we can get a lot of things done. I really trust God. And, and I don't worry. I've learned not to worry because I really am trusting in God. So yes, I live by faith. I walk by faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. And your two books, Look Deep Before You Leap and Life Lessons, 52 Tools for Weekly Living, are those reflections of your beliefs, your faith, and what you've learned on this journey um, over the years? Yes. My Life Lessons book, 52 Tools for Weekly Living, are just um, 52 quotes, 52 uh, tools and of uh, daily living to guide you. And it's based upon, yes, what I've learned in my childhood, based upon what I learned as an adult, a college student, what I've learned as a parent, as a mother, what I've learned as a grandmother. Uh, my father had, and mother, but mostly my father. My mother taught us um, to be nice, to love everybody, uh, to go to church. Uh, my father taught us that uh, that other side, you don't have to work for anybody else. Stand mm-hmm. up for yourself. Um, uh, spend your money wisely. Don't spend every penny. Uh, you know, so I those are the kinds of tools that I 
put in the 52 tools for weekly living. Mm. Just, just some tools to say, when you get up in the morning, how do you get organized? Organize yourself, uh, believe in yourself, and then look deep before you leap is right. a relationship book. And it, it the uh, subtitle is uh, Heed the Red Flag Warnings uh, So You Can Avoid Unhealthy Relationships. Now, mm. that is solely based on my relationship because I failed to heed the red flag warnings. I went head on. You know, I ran all the stop signs. I, I did not stop. When it comes to a, a romantic or love relationship, is yes, that what you were married? I had I ran all the stop signs. I didn't pay attention to anything. And there were there were red flags in my relationship when I was dating this man. We were totally different. I believed and had a strong faith in God, and that's the way I lived my life. He didn't. Um, I'd never been to jail. I'd never stolen anything. I'd never done any, well, I'd done things wrong, of course, but he had been to jail. Um I tried to treat everybody right. He's like, mm -mm, this, this go for me. I didn't do any drugs or drugs. He did drugs. So I just ignored all the red flags. We were totally incompatible. And so, is this your, uh, the father of your children also? Or? Children. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. The father of my children. That's the only one the I blessing. <laughs> I didn't make the same mistake twice or three times. One marriage, one bad marriage. And I learned a lot from it. And that's what I'm sharing in Look Deep Before You Leap. Heed the red flag warnings to avoid unhealthy relationships. Okay. So and and I'm sure I need to pick up the, well, I have a good relationship, a good marriage, thankfully, but I'm sure there's so much I could personally learn as others. How can we find those two books? My books are on uh, the website on judgemaybelline.com, my personal website. My name is spelled M-A-B-L-E-A-N. And you can also buy them on Amazon. He uh, Look Deep Before You Leap is also audible. It's an audible book as well. Uh, so you can get it off Amazon. Wonderful. So before we, we come up on our commercial break here, um, one of the things I learned in your story is that you knew early on that you wanted to be an attorney at the age of 13. What yes. was it that happened at the age of 13 that let you know you wanted to be an attorney? Two, two main things. My father had a stroke um, and he was unable, left completely disabled, but Social Security Administration denied him his disability. And my mother and I kept fighting the system because we couldn't uh, afford the services of an attorney. And we finally prevailed. We kept filing appeal after appeal after appeal, and we pre we prevailed. My father was granted his Social Security disability at age 57. Then that was the Civil Rights era, uh, 19, uh, let's see, 1964, 65, 66, the Civil Rights era, um, watching Martin Luther King, Thurgood Marshall, the NAACP, the Legal Defense Fund, watching all of this, the changes and the fights for civil rights and anti-discrimination and all of that. I wanted to join the civil rights movement. I wanted to go be a part of the sit-ins. Of course, my mother's like, you're not going down there to Alabama. You're not going to Mississippi. You're not going anywhere because- She's like, I took you from here. that. <laughs> you come to Los Angeles, but- I was a part of it all the way. Um, in college, I did join the Black student movement, but in junior high school, mom was like, nope, I wanted to go to the sit-ins. I wanted to go to the marches. I wanted to go to the march on Washington. I wanted to be a part of it. So, And then I realized that that's where change is made. That's how change comes about is through the legal system. And 
Also, I wanted to be able to protect my family in terms of legal issues and be there for them since uh, we couldn't afford a lawyer for my father. And it's like, I am going to be the legal arm. And then I was encouraged as a child because they told me I'd argue with the signpost. So it's like- That you were already what? I would argue with the signpost. So I knew- Oh, sorry. Uh, I argued with my, well, I disagreed with my father when other members in my family didn't because at that time, women- we're taught children are to be heard, seen and not heard. And right. women certainly weren't supposed to be heard and speaking up. But I fought against all of that. I broke all those rules. So I knew that's where I wanted to be, the voice for the voiceless. Wow. And did you know any attorneys early in your I knew life? I knew no attorneys at that time. Mm-hmm. But I watched Yvonne Brathwaite-Burke. Uh, she was one of my examples. Of course, Shirley Chisholm uh, was, was an example. There was Constance Baker Motley. There was Thurgood Marshall. No, I did not know any attorneys personally. And that's what I said. I, I, I'm going to become an attorney and I have to get to know attorneys. So I began to network and to go to these different community events where I could meet attorneys. Wow. That speaks to the power of being able to see something and even though you don't know someone and That's you right. know maybe I haven't met them but to see them and to realize that hey I too could be a future Constance Blakely, Blakely Motley or Thurgood Marshall so um, Judge Maybelline I'm sure that there are children and teens and young adults that see you on TV every day and are saying I want to be like her one day so thank you for the example you're setting we will continue this conversation with Judge Maybelline Ephraim um, um, as we come forward, um, please stay tuned. We're having an amazing conversation. More KBLA Talk 1580s all new weekend lineup when we come forward. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. We are having an amazing conversation, a behind the lens conversation with the person I have now dubbed as America's favorite TV judge, Judge Maybelline Ephraim, who um, you can now see daily on Justice with Judge Maybelline. Um, Judge Maybelline, you gave us a a great sense of what it was like to grow up as the ninth of 10 children and the um, great support that you received from your family and your siblings um, to become the person that you are. And you talked about your faith and how that also drives you and helps shapes who you are. Um, I think another interesting part of your story is that you, well, one, you went to an amazing liberal arts college, Pittsburgh I College, mean. and shout out for liberal arts colleges. I went to one right. myself, Amherst College. So um, everyone listening, if you don't know about liberal arts colleges for your kids and young adults, definitely look at those. Those are a great alternative to the, the larger university system. But you went to Pitzer and then you didn't go to law school until after being a wife and mother, sometime into being a wife and mother many years yeah. later. Um, tell us about that. Like, um, why didn't you go straight from college? What was your experience? Okay, I didn't go straight to law school from college for a couple of reasons. First of all, I was tired of school and um, the black movement was still going on. The uh, So I wanted to be a part of that uh, anti-discrimination movement and anti-segregation. And I was just simply tired of school right then. I didn't want to go straight to school, to, to law school. And of course, I fell in love with that man that I was telling you about. I found him my last fell in love in college. college. Yeah, I found him my last year of college, not in college, but I found him my last year of college. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I got married and got pregnant and had a baby. He already had two children and I became the mother to those two boys as well. And I I think he decided he thought since I fell in love and I didn't go to 
to law school, although I told him I was going to law school. Uh, it was always my desire since eighth grade to go to law school. He probably thought I changed my mind because I didn't go right away, but I did not. So I got me, a, I got a job in the legal community as a legal secretary so that I could learn the skills and learn about law and, and get acquainted with legal issues and terms and meet people in the legal community. And by the fourth year of our marriage, it's like, okay, this is it. I'm on my way back to law school. He, he didn't know I was going until the first night I went, I applied. He didn't believe I was going to do it. I applied. I did everything I was supposed to do. The first night I'm leaving out to go to Whittier College School of Law, night school. He's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to law school. <laughs> I was going, when did you get accepted? I said, I told you I was going. So here I am. So I did four years of night school at uh, Whittier College School of Law while I worked a job as a legal secretary and a paralegal um, legal intern for the city attorney's office. And that's how it happened. Wow. And I never you know, gave up on my dream. I never gave up on my dreams. So I tell people that, you know, life may bring about changes and you may have to do it differently, but I still did it. So I went to law school. I worked. Fortunately, I got a scholarship from one of the professors at the law school who had a scholarship named after him. And he uh, that helped me as I worked. So that's the way I did it. Wow. And we, you know, women do it all the time. As you mentioned, your, your mom raised after your father had a stroke, she raised 10 children basically on her one salary with the and support of your siblings. And she went back to school and got her licensed vocational nurse degree. She went to uh, night school to finish her high school education and went to trade tech to get her vocational license. So it's in your DNA and my mom, shout out to her. She did the same thing, but you know, what, how did you do it? Like, how did you juggle so many balls in the air, working, going to school? I tell people you have to be organized and organization and time management is very important. So I get up in the morning, I get the kids at the breakfast table and have their breakfast prepared while they're eating breakfast. Uh, I'm getting dressed and myself dressed. And then I get them to school. I come home from school. I uh, come home from work. I get dinner ready for them before I went to law school at night. I'd have them set up to do their homework and had someone to come in to assist me to watch them doing their while I was at law school at night. And when I come back in the evenings, I got them to bed and I'd sleep maybe four hours a night. And then I get up and start it over again. And as I said, I put a load of clothes in the washer on the way to work. I put another clothes, you know, and started mm -hmm. washing. I put them in the dryer as I leave. And so it was just organization and time management is crucial. Yeah. That's the way I did it. You were committed, so you did what you had to do. I did what um, I had to do as we have been known to do throughout history. We do what we have to do. We make things happen against all odds. And it's not just a saying, it's a fact. You know, it's something that I put into practice. I was determined to finish law school. So wow. And here you are, how many years later practicing? Forty. This is my 45th year. Wow. In the practice of law. Major hand <laughs> clap to you. Major. Like, wow. <laughs> yes, so I one of the things I don't think people right. realize is that you just didn't show up on TV one day. Like no. you had a whole legal career prior to your TV legal career. Yeah. Um, I believe it started in the city attorney, Los Angeles city attorney's office, right? Yes, my legal career started in the city attorney's office as a law clerk uh, at first while I was in law school. Well, it really started in the law offices of English Tooks, Williams and Sa Sanders, English Tooks and Williams, four black guys mm -hmm. as a legal secretary. 
And then I went to the city attorney's office as a law clerk while I was in law school. And when I graduated law school, I went to the city attorney's office as a deputy city attorney because mm-hmm. I knew I had to go work for somebody else first because I didn't have any money. I had four kids. I had a husband. Um, I had to earn. Are you still married by this time, by the time you pass the bar and start working? I worked all the time. No, I said, were you still married? Um, oh, yeah, I was still married when I passed the bar and started working. Uh, I was married until my daughter entered uh, college. We got divorced oh, okay. last year of college. Okay, so okay. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a great marriage, but again, I struggled through. I mm-hmm. made it through. So that's what I did. Um, and that's when I worked in the city attorney's office and I got a job as a deputy city attorney. Worked there five years because I never wanted to work for anybody else. That was never my plan. But I had to get known. I had to get a reputation. I had to get some, you know, known, known in the community. So I worked the city attorney's office. You can handle cases in the city attorney's office without immune without worrying about a lawsuit for malpractice because you're immune from malpractice. So it gave me a chance to save some money, a little bit of money. So I left there in 1970, uh, 1982 with mm-hmm. $5,000 retirement from the city attorney's office <laughs> my law practice. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, I love that. And in and, and five short years, you had a, a lasting impact. You were part of helping to establish a domestic divi- domestic violence diversion program in the city yeah. attorney's office. Uh, before we close out this segment, give us some insights about that program and its long, uh, well, long-lasting impact. As a deputy city attorney, I was handling cases involving domestic abuse, and I kept seeing these women coming through, uh, having been abused, but didn't want to prosecute, and there was nothing for it. It was like, okay, we'll stop. I don't want to. So they dismissed the case. And so I got together with one of the judges there and said, we can't keep doing this because there it's just repeat, repeat, repeat behavior. So we started a program called domestic violence diversion, where the uh, perpetrator would have to go into counseling and other stuff like that for a year. And if he completed that successfully, then the case would be dismissed. And then finally, we kept pushing and it became legislation that the woman or no other victim could automatically dismiss a domestic violence case. Wow, such important work. And to your acknowledge, I mean, that's still on the books today, right? Still on the books today. Wow. We are speaking with Judge Maybelline from America's Favorite Judge. I've dubbed her that, and I truly believe that. You don't want to miss our continued conversation with her. Stay tuned. KBLA Talk 1580. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick-Wright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. We are continuing continuing with Judge Maybelline, and she's been giving us a great overview of her life's work and um, the impact that she's had as a, an attorney and legal professional, one of them being um, her work with the Domestic Violence Diversion Program when she was in the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office. Judge Maybelline, that led to your also establishing, is it the Family the family Law Center, which is now no exists? Is now known as the Harriet Buhai Center for Family Law. As the president of Black Women Lawyers Association, my year as president, along with the president of the Women Lawyers Association, we founded a center then called the Family Law Center, and it was specifically to deal with women in the issue of domestic violence to assist them in getting orders, restraining orders, to get them orders for custody and visitation and stuff like that. So it was a, it's a nonprofit program. It was assisted then, Family Law Center 76 and Central. Maxine Waters helped me do it. Danny Bakewell helped us do it. 
Danny provided the building. Maxine helped us get all of the um, forms and stuff that we needed. And we have volunteer attorneys who kept it going. And that's still going today. It's now been named the Harriet Buhai Center for Family Law, B-U-H-A-I. It's still a nonprofit. It's still to help people in the area of not only domestic violence. It's now extended to men and women throughout Los Angeles County to assist them in their areas related to family law. So it's divorce, it's child custody, it's child support, it's restraining orders, it's all type of work related to family law. The services are provided free of charge, uh, a small donation we accept, but it's for people who are indigent and cannot afford the services of a legal attorney. We are now training. We have been training other lawyers. The lawyers volunteer. A lot of lawyers go there and get their training in terms of trial practice and how to handle cases. We have a session where we train other um, organizations on nonprofit work, legal work. We have received numerous awards. We're the oldest living nonprofit, oldest active nonprofit, the family law center in the United States. Thank you so much for mentioning the Harriet Buhai Center. We've been wanting to have them on the show and you're speaking about it reminds us that we'll definitely um, bring them on the show um, so, you, so our listening audience can learn more about the great work they do. And thank you for being great a work. part of, of Start That, starting that. And so Judge Maybelline, I, I know in prepping for the show, you said you didn't want to talk about yourself. You didn't want to make it about you or the show. But I have to ask just for your fans, you know, 25 years, in the TV business, um, how does it feel? You know, what what has it been like for you? And, oh, and how I'm excited. Feel? I love every day of what I do. I say to myself that I know I'm an example. And again, those young people who could uh, want to be a lawyer know that it can happen. And I say, this is what I say my job is, not only to entertain, but to motivate, to educate, to stimulate uh, those who watch the show. So I, I try to do all of that. I absolutely love it. It's the best job I've ever had. And it allows me to continue doing what I need, what I love doing, and that is being involved in the law and making a difference in people's lives. Yes, uh, you definitely make the law practical and accessible to everyone. And you're doing all of those things of mentoring and inspiring and motivating. Thank you so much. Um, don't go away. We're going to close out our one hour with Judge Maybelline uh, talking about her charitable work and having her leave us with um, some words of inspiration. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 15. You're listening to the. We are closing out, sadly, our conversation with Judge Maybelline. Um, it's been a great hour with her. And thank you all so much for joining us in the conversation. Judge Maybelline, um, as we close out, let's talk about your char charitable work. You do so much still to support and inspire the community, um, specifically through the Maybelline Ephraim Foundation. Tell us about that. All right, the Maybelline Ephraim Foundation was founded and started in 2004. Our mission is to educate minds, to provide and give hope to the community at large for our residents uh, and to with financial literacy, educate minds and empower our community. So through that, we have a mentoring program at Jefferson High School and another middle, another middle school we did have, but we have to find one because we lost that school. We have a mentoring program there. We take the kids on field trips. We tutor. We help them with prom, et cetera. We teach them about life skills. Also, the foundation has our signature thing is honoring unsung fathers. It's held on Father's Day, a luncheon every year. 
Um, it's alive this year. It's going to be at the Hilton Hotel on June 18th. Tickets will become available soon. We'll go onto our website, MaybellineEphraimFoundation.com or HuffAwards.com. In addition to honoring fathers, we also provide college scholarships to graduating seniors within Los Angeles County. We have now provided scholarships for over 60 graduating seniors, a number of classes of our grad number of our scholarship recipients have graduated and are doing great work in the community. Uh, it's all about helping the community. You can contribute, MaybellineEphraimFoundation.com. HuffAwards.com is strictly a total nonprofit 501c3. We need your donations. High school seniors this year can, can, file, can apply for a scholarship. Uh, the scholarships are online, HuffAwards.com, and you can apply for scholarships. We accept donations. We do a Thanksgiving basket every year. We do a Christmas toy drive. We had a wonderful one this year, and we're just involved in the community in any and every sort of way that we can. So wonderful. And Judge Mabellina, in closing, um, what would you say to young aspiring lawyers and just young people in general? What what words would you share with them? I would say the word is hope because it seems that children are losing hope with all of the suicide in the world. People are giving up. Don't give up on your dream. First of all, you've got to have a dream. Dream and dream big. And then whatever that dream is, don't give up on it. Don't let anyone deter you from it. You, it may not happen today, but don't give up. Just like I dreamed of law school, eighth grade, the path I took was not direct to law school. I, I went to uh, undergraduate, quit, then went back to law school. So you can do it. You may have to stop in between. You may have to rest. You may have to do something else, but don't give up on your dream. As um, Jesse Jackson says, keep hope alive, keep hoping, have faith, believe, do the work, network, make connections, stay involved, read, Google, research, you can do it. What great words to leave us on. Don't give up on your dreams. And first, you've got to have a dream. And when you have that dream, don't give up on it and do everything you can to achieve us. Direct right. from Judge Maybelline Ephraim, um, one of our favorite, the my favorite um, TV court judge. And I just appreciate her so much for joining us on KBLA Talk 1580. This has been the Legal Lens Show. And we spent this last hour with Judge Maybelline. Um, hope you will continue to listen to the show. We'll be back the same time next weekend with another great guest. Until then, have a great weekend. Show kindness, show love. That's what the world needs more of. Signing off. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.